Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. An Outline of Occult Science by Rudolf Steiner. Cognition of the Higher Worlds, Initiation, Part 9. After the student of the spiritual has encountered the guardian of the threshold, further experiences await him as he ascends into supersensible worlds. First, he will notice that an inner relationship exists between this guardian of the threshold and the soul power that in the above description has resulted as the seventh and has shaped itself into an independent principle. Indeed, this seventh principle is in a certain regard nothing else but the doppelganger, the guardian of the threshold himself, and this principle sets the student of the spiritual a special task. He has to direct and lead with his newborn self what he is in his ordinary self, and which appears to him in an image. A sort of battle against the doppelganger will result. The latter will constantly strive for supremacy. To establish the right relationship to this doppelganger and not permit him to do anything that is not under the influence of the newborn ego strengthens and fortifies man's powers. In the higher world, self-knowledge is different in a certain respect from self-knowledge in the physical sensory world. Whereas in the physical sensory world, self-knowledge appears only as an inner experience, the newborn self presents itself at once as an outer soul phenomenon. Man beholds his newborn self as another being standing before him, but he cannot perceive it completely. For whatever stage he may have reached upon the way into the supersensible worlds, there are always still higher stages. At these stages he will perceive ever more and more of his higher self. This higher self can thus only partially reveal itself to the student of the spiritual at any of these stages. The temptation is extremely great which overtakes the human being when he first becomes aware of some aspect of his higher self, to observe this higher self, so to speak, from the standpoint he has gained in the physical sensory world. Again, I think this is one of the biggest mistakes people make, and it's really fascinating how Steiner, while so many people focus on technique and understanding 
our spiritual progress from the perspective of where we are in this world and what our goals or achievements are in this life and in this body, Steiner is very disinterested in that. He's looking at soul progression, spirit progression, and he's paid enough attention to that to really give some of the waypoints, to point out aspects that apply on the map to most of us in our journey. And that's what's truly insightful about Steiner's ability to subtly discern the experiences and stages that we might categorize Kabbalistically, alchemically, or in some initiatic system, but yet we all experience them when we really are doing the work in a very similar way. This temptation is even good, and it must appear, if development is to proceed in the right way. We must observe what appears in the doppelganger. In German, of course, doppelganger doesn't have the same supernatural interpretation we have from Western horror films. It literally means double-goer, so a duplicate self. This temptation is even good, and it must appear, if the development is to proceed in the right way. There's certain bad things we want to experience, or not bad things, but challenges. If a student doesn't encounter certain challenges, then they are either going about things the wrong way, or simply haven't progressed far enough yet. So, do not fear challenges, even if they bring you low. We must observe what appears in the doppelganger, and we really must observe what appears in the doppelganger, the guardian of the threshold, and place it before the higher self, in order to note the contrast between what we are and what we are to become. Through this observation, the guardian of the threshold begins to take on quite a different form. He presents himself as an image of all the hindrances that the development of the higher self must encounter. The student will perceive what a load he must drag in the form of his ordinary self. And if he is not strong enough through his preparations to say, I will not remain stationary here, but unceasingly strive to reach my higher self, he will slacken his efforts and shrink back before what is in store for him. He has plunged into the world of soul and spirit, but now gives up his efforts. He becomes a prisoner of the form that, through the guardian of the threshold, now stands before the soul. What is important here is the fact that, in his experience, he does not have the feeling of being a prisoner. On the contrary, he believes he experiences something quite different. The form that the guardian of the threshold calls forth can be of such a nature that it causes the impression in the soul of the observer of having before him. In the pictures that appear at this evolutionary stage, the entire compass of all imaginable worlds, of having attained the pinnacle of knowledge with no need of striving further. Instead of feeling to be a prisoner, he may feel himself as the immeasurably rich possessor of all the world mysteries. The fact that one can have such an experience that depicts the very opposite of the actual facts will, however, not astonish a person who keeps in mind the fact that when he experiences this, he stands already in the world of soul and spirit, and that it is a peculiarity of this world that the events may present themselves in reverse order. This fact was pointed out earlier in this book when life after death was discussed. The figure that one perceives at this stage of development shows the student of the spiritual something in addition to what appeared to him in the first instance as the guardian of the threshold. 
In this doppelganger, all the peculiarities were perceived that the ordinary self of man has in consequence of the influence of the forces of Lucifer. Now, however, in the course of human evolution, another power has entered the human soul through the influence of Lucifer. This is the power that was designated in an earlier section of this book as the power of Araman. It is the power that prevents the human being during physical sense experience from perceiving the soul-spirit beings of the outer world lying beyond the veil of the sensory. The form the human soul has assumed under the influence of this power is shown in a picture by the shape that emerges in the experience described. The person who is adequately prepared for this experience will be able to interpret it correctly. Very soon thereafter, another form will appear that we may call the greater guardian of the threshold, in contrast to the already described lesser guardian. This greater guardian tells the student of the spiritual that he must not remain stationary at this stage, but must energetically work on. He calls forth in the observer the consciousness that the world that is conquered becomes truth and is not transformed into illusion. Only if the work is continued in an adequate manner. If because of incorrect spiritual training, a person were to enter upon this experience unprepared, then in the encounter with the greater guardian of the threshold, something would pour into his soul that can only be compared to the feeling of immeasurable horror, of boundless fear. Just as the student of the spiritual in his encounter with the lesser guardian of the threshold is afforded the possibility of testing whether or not he is protected against delusions arising from the intermingling of his own being with the supersensible world, so can he also test himself by the experiences that finally led to the greater guardian of the threshold, whether he is capable of mastering the delusions described above as coming from the second source. If he is able to withstand the gigantic illusion that has been conjured up before him, that the picture world he has gained is a rich possession while in reality he is only a prisoner, if he is able to resist this delusion, he is then, during the progressing course of his development, guarded from mistaking illusion for reality. The guardian of the threshold will assume, to a certain degree, an individual shape for each human being. The encounter with him corresponds indeed to the experience by which the personal character of the supersensible observations is overcome, and through which the possibility is given of entering a region of experience that is free from personal coloring and applies to every human being. An Outline of Occult Science by Rudolf Steiner Cognition of the Higher Worlds, Initiation, Part 10 if the student of the spiritual has had the above-described experiences, he is capable of distinguishing within the surrounding world of soul and spirit between himself and what lies outside him. He will then recognize that it is necessary to comprehend the cosmic process described in this book in order to understand man and his life. Indeed, we understand the physical body only when we recognize how it has been fashioned during the Saturn, Sun, Moon, and Earth evolutions. We understand the ether body when we follow its formations through the sun, moon, and earth evolutions. Moreover, we understand what at present is connected with the earth evolution when we know how everything has unfolded itself step by step. 
this is uh, one of the main reasons I chose this section of the book to share and comment on, because most of his uh, this book and lots of his other writings focus on his view of the evolution of the cosmos and mankind uh, through these planetary paradigms. And I, I consider, as I do with all such evolutionary speculation on the nature of races and the planets and the spirit to be a waste of time. When Steiner makes observations on the development of the soul and the human being, I'm all ears. When it comes to speculating or having intuited revelations of how the world and universe and cosmos have developed, I'm not so interested in that. Through spiritual training, the student is placed in the position to recognize the relationship of everything that exists in the human being to corresponding facts and beings of the world outside him. For it is a fact that every member of the human organism stands in a relationship to the whole world surrounding it. It's a wonderful point. It's a very ecological point. In this book, it has only been possible to indicate the facts in a sketchy outline. <laughs> I... I would be shocked if it could be ever done in anything else, any outline that isn't sketchy. <laughs> we must, however, consider that the human physical body, for example, was present during the Saturn evolution only in its rudimentary beginnings. Its organs, the heart, the lungs, the brain, developed later out of these beginnings during the sun, moon, and earth evolutions. The heart, lungs, and other organs are thus related to the sun, moon, and earth evolutions. It is quite the same with the members of ether and soul body, the sentient soul, and other principles. <clears throat> See, Alice A. Bailey gets into a lot of this sort of thinking, and it leads to her to write a chapter called The Jewish Problem. So you can see where this kind of spiritual thinking can lead if you uh, follow it too, too far. Man is fashioned from the entire surrounding world, and every part of him corresponds to a process or being of the outer world. At the corresponding stage of his development, the student becomes acquainted with this relationship between his own being and the great world. See, that is just a beautiful, beautiful point. I have to say it again. We are fashioned from the entire surrounding world. We are fashioned by the world, by nature. And every part of us corresponds to a process or being of that outer world. That is just absolutely magnificent. I mean, on a physiological level, on a cellular level, it's completely true. And then at the corresponding stage of our development, the student becomes acquainted with this relationship between our own being and the great world. Beautifully said. Well, as, as I've reset it. <laughs> We may designate this stage of cognition as the becoming aware of the correspondence between the lesser world, the microcosm, which is the human being himself, and the greater world, the macrocosm. If the student has struggled through to such a stage of knowledge, a new experience may occur for us. It says him, but I say us. I'm just getting a little tired of the sexist language, whether it's a translation or not. It's just, eh, we've moved so far beyond that. I can read it, but... Good writing actually doesn't need to be gendered. That's something you learn in grad school. Good, good writing does not need to even bring up the issue of gender. If you're saying they or them because you don't want to say he or she, you're already writing poorly. He begins to feel as though he were intergrown with the entire cosmic structure. 
in spite of the fact that he feels himself in his complete independence. If there's ever been a good description of the solar initiation, then this is it. This feeling is emerging with the entire cosmos and becoming one with it, but without losing one's own essential being. Knowledge and conversation with the holy guardian angel, as they say in some traditions. This stage of development may be designated as the becoming one with the macrocosm. It is significant that this becoming one, this union, is not to be thought of as though through it the individual consciousness were to cease and the human being were to flow out into the universe, merging with it. Such a thought would be merely the expression of an opinion springing from the untrained power of judgment. The stages of higher knowledge in the sense of the process of initiation that has been described in this book may now be enumerated as follows. 1. Study of spiritual science in which one employs one's power of judgment gained in the physical sensory world. 2. Acquiring imaginative knowledge. 3. Reading the occult script corresponding to inspiration. 4. Living into the spiritual environment corresponding to intuition. 5. Knowledge of the relationships between microcosm and macrocosm. 6. Union with the macrocosm. 7. Total experience of all previous experiences as a fundamental mood of the soul. These stages need not be thought of as successive experiences. On the contrary, the training may proceed in such a way that, in accordance with the individuality of the student of the spiritual, he may have reached only a certain degree of perfection in a preceding stage when he begins exercises that correspond to a subsequent stage. It may well happen, for example, that the student has only gained a few imaginations with certainty, yet he already performs exercises leading to inspiration, intuition, and the cognition of the relationship between microcosm and macrocosm. If the student of the spiritual has experienced intuition, he not only knows the images of the psycho-spiritual world, he cannot merely read their connections in the occult script, but he attains to knowledge of the spiritual beings themselves through whose cooperation the world to which the human being belongs comes into existence. In this way, he learns to know himself in the form he possesses as a spiritual being in the world of soul and spirit. He has struggled through to a perception of his higher ego, and he has become aware of how he has to continue his efforts in order to control his doppelganger, the guardian of the threshold. He has, however, also encountered the greater guardian of the threshold who stands before him as an ever-present exhorter to further effort. This greater guardian becomes the ideal towards which he strives. If this feeling emerges in the student of the spiritual, he has then acquired the possibility of recognizing who it is that stands there before him as the greater guardian of the threshold. To the perception of the student of the spiritual, this guardian now transforms himself into the form of the Christ, whose being and participation in earth evolution has been made clear in the previous chapters of this book. The student is now initiated into the exalted mystery that is linked with the name of Christ. The Christ shows himself to the student as the great ideal of man on earth. Of course, this is elsewhere discussed in the same context of Adam Kadmon and Osiris even. 
If thus through intuition the Christ is recognized in the spiritual world, what occurred historically on Earth in the fourth post-Atlantean evolutionary epoch, the Greco-Latin epoch, also becomes comprehensible. The way in which at that time the exalted sun being, the Christ, has intervened in the Earth evolution and how he continues to work within this evolution becomes the personally experienced knowledge of the student of the spiritual. Steiner walks the line on the historical Jesus versus the spiritual religious Jesus in a, in a very serious way. But what's more shocking is how he takes only certain cultures and sort of aggrandizes them to be representative and emblematic of the entire evolution of the entire universe and cosmos, which I just think is, oh, is a, is a big mistake. It is thus a revelation of the meaning and significance of earth evolution that the student receives through intuition. The way to knowledge of the supersensible worlds which is described here is one that every human being can follow, no matter what the situation in which he may find himself within the present-day conditions of his life. Steiner was a very big believer that psychism or supersensory knowledge is not something unique to certain people. The idea, if he saw today the people who are claiming themselves to be channelers or mediums or psychics, he would, he would have a fit because it's basically disenfranchising the rest of human beings to declare yourself to have these special abilities rather than to just see yourself as a human being at the stage that you are at to claim that you are, have special knowledge even though you are, say, further on the spiritual path than someone else is, well, it falls into one of the greatest pitfalls a spiritual person can fall into. When describing such a path, we must consider that the goal of knowledge and truth is the same in all ages of earth evolution, but that the starting points of man have been different in different ages. If the human being wishes to tread the path to the spiritual world, he cannot, at present, begin at the same starting point as, for example, the would-be initiate of ancient Egypt. Therefore, the exercises that were imposed upon the student of the spiritual of ancient Egypt cannot be carried out by the modern man without modification. Since that time, human souls have passed through various incarnations, and this advance from incarnation to incarnation is not without meaning and significance. The faculties and qualities of souls alter from incarnation to incarnation. Yeah, I just don't believe in reincarnation whatsoever. I think whatever the case may be after death, it is far more complicated than this leapfrog idea of hopping our soul from body to body through the linear progression of time. It just seems completely absurd to me. Despite having had past life memories from an early age, that fall into that category, I just don't think that they should be called past life memories or we should equate them with actual lived incarnations. Otherwise, everyone would be Cleopatra or any number of ridiculously significant people in the past. It's just fucking absurd. Whoever considers human historical life, be it only superficially, is able to notice that since the 12th and 13th centuries AD, all life conditions have changed when compared with previous centuries. That opinions, feelings, and also abilities of human beings have become different from what they were previously. Sounds like a true child of the Reformation. The path to higher knowledge described here is eminently fit for souls who incarnate in the immediate present. It is one that places the point of departure for spiritual development just where the human being now stands in any situation presented in modern life. And there we have it. 
he's, as we all are locked into the paradigm and hermeneutic mode of our current life and situation, he's bound by the restrictions that he can't see past despite any amount of spiritual knowledge because we look at the world around us, we are developed from the world around us, and we are locked into it. And it's truly only our high spiritual glimpses that might free us from certain modalities that we are bound by. But to think that we are free of all of them to the extent that we can define what previous stages of, of human life were like or what they meant or that we can define what they mean now without even the historicity of awareness that will come in future generations is the height of height of intellectual hubris. Steiner says, progressive evolution leads mankind in regard to the path of higher knowledge from period to period to ever-changing forms, just as outer life changes its forms. And at all times, a perfect harmony must prevail between outer life and initiation. And there he gets it right. His methodology is correct, and his understanding of how we progress in the time and place we're in. But his interpretations of where that time and place is or what it means and what the past ones mean is completely bound by his locality and, and suffers accordingly. I hope you've enjoyed the series on Rudolf Steiner and uh, some of what I consider to be his most valuable contributions and insights to hermetic spirituality and the Western esoteric tradition, especially that of anthroposophy. Peace. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk that's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk. And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now. HermeticScienceEnterprises.co.uk